Hello, and welcome to Principal Liner Notes. I'm Sean Gaylord, and I'm your host. In this podcast, we explore the intersections between the schoolhouse, music, and other musings that come up along the way. The set list is prepared, but we have some open spaces for walkabouts, digressions, and maybe a free-form jazz exploration in front of a festival crowd. That's a nod to my favorite scene, and this is Spinal Tap. 2018 is almost over, and earlier this year, I wrote a blog post on what I think will serve as a defining moment for future year-end retrospections for 20th anniversaries commemorating the year that was 2018. Thank you, Apollo 8. You saved 1968. Astronaut Frank Borman, eyewitness to a pivotal moment in human history, eternally etched in his memory the words of this statement from a telegram. Borman, along with the other members of the Apollo 8 crew, Jim Lovell and Bill Anders, helped to briefly pause the tumult that was greeting year 1968. This particular team of astronauts were engaged in the project to place the first human being afoot on the moon. The Apollo 8 mission was designed to place astronauts for the first time on a journey from the Earth to the moon. In essence, Apollo 8 was to set the stage for the first moon landing that was to follow in July 1969. The journey of Apollo 8 served as a positive bookend to a year marred with assassination, war, and unrest. Ten years after the odyssey of Apollo 8, I remember as a young boy watching an ABC News documentary commemorating the impact of that year entitled 1968, A Crack in Time. I was eight years old, and I always had a love for history that was shaped by the warm world of periodicals like Junior Scholastic or the Sunday morning, Saturday morning television joy of Schoolhouse Rock. Big difference between Schoolhouse Rock being on Sunday and Saturday. But again, this is principal liner notes. We make all kinds of digressions. Here, I was watching a primetime documentary filtered with news footage capturing images of the assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert Kennedy. I watched images of war transmit from a place called Vietnam. There was anger in the streets of my parents' hometown of Chicago surrounding a certain Democratic National Convention. Later, I remember asking my mother what it was like to live during such a year of social and political unrest. Mom simply said, I thought the world was going to end. What I don't remember seeing from that stark documentary is anything pertaining to the inspirational journey of Apollo 8. It may be that I had to go to bed or my parents discovered that I was being exposed to some pretty harsh imagery, my guess is that they would have enjoyed watching footage with me of the Apollo 8 crew reading from Genesis on Christmas Eve 1968 aboard a spaceship orbiting the moon. I can only imagine the collective universal breath 
that humanity took in 1968 as they witnessed through the eyes of Borman, Lovell, and Anders the vision of planet Earth rising above the moon. Human beings had never, had never traveled this cosmic distance, and the achievement must have brought us closer together amidst the storm and stress of 1968. Seeing the image still stirs the imagination, gazing at our global neighborhood adrift the vastness of space, one sees a world without borders, strife, bloodshed. The words of the telegram astronaut Frank Borman echoed for me as I experienced carpool karaoke earlier this summer. The comedic bit on The Late Late Show with James Corden has always trended and placed collective smiles around water coolers and Facebook posts. The premise is achingly simple and blissful. Host James Corden literally drives around in a car with a group of celebrity guests singing songs. There may be a famous musician or two gleefully singing with an unabashed James Corden several hits. Carpool karaoke passengers have included Michelle Obama, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Stevie Wonder, and Elton John. An epic pairing took place when Paul McCartney rode shotgun with James Corden for a recent episode of Carpool Karaoke. It was Paul's first adventure with James. What was unique about this episode is that it took place in Paul's hometown of Liverpool, England. Upon first glance, I am sure Corden and the producer sketched out an outline for the episode involving Paul McCartney revisiting his Beatle classic hits coupled with new songs from his recent album, Egypt Station. I am sure there was excitement about the arrangement to have Paul visit old haunts and chance upon the actual street namesake for Penny Lane. My guess is that the original plan to secure a music icon did not include the cultural phenomenon that would follow. Then again, Paul McCartney, as a Beatle and solo artist, is accustomed to making a visceral global impact. Gordon and McCartney provided the expected comedic bits and sing-along flavor of carpool karaoke. The Beatle fan and James Corden probably couldn't pass up the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sing Drive My Car with Paul McCartney in tow. Walking side-by-side side with the man responsible for composing Penny Lane on the actual strip, that is, Penny Lane, was priceless. As the segment progresses, a certain transcendence occurs, taking us into the private glimpse of two men connected by the love of music. Our journey takes a threefold path during this segment. An emotional triptych transpires for us as the observers in this manifestation of our humanity. First, we experience Paul McCartney walking in his boyhood home, now an official British landmark. He is taking us on a journey into his humanity. Here is an icon who has spun memories into the soundtrack of our lives for over 50 years. 
and we see him lovingly gaze upon his living room, thinking of his father providing feedback during the composition of the Beatles' hit, She Loves You. It's absolutely priceless. Another second emotional highlight is James Corden learning the origin of Let It Be from Paul McCartney. The song lyric invokes Mother Mary, who is a reference to Paul's own mother, who had passed away from cancer when he was a teenager. His mother made an appearance to Paul during a time of strife with the Beatles, disintegrating as a band. She simply advised him in the dream to let it be. Paul and James then belt out let it be with such vigor, and the song is reborn for those who were unaware of the song's origin. Gordon builds upon the moment, wishing that his deceased grandfather, who had introduced him to the music of the Beatles, was present in the moment for the conversation with the Beatle. Paul simply states that Corden's grandfather is indeed with them. And the look on Corden's face is absolutely transcendent. We've all been there, especially when we're dealing with the loss of a loved one, especially when we're dealing with the loss of a loved one who has given us a legacy, who has given us a gift. And in this case, it's the gift of the love of music. The part of the emotional triptych is the surprise concert McCartney performs at a local Liverpudlian pub. Patrons are completely blissful at the fact that their hometown hero, former Beatle and music icon, is getting back to his roots for them. The response is visceral. There I go with that word visceral again. And identifiable as the impromptu audience stands on their feet in time to songs such as A Hard Day's Night and Love Me Do. The evident joy on the faces of those patrons is contagious. In fact, it harkens back to original idea of Paul McCartney's when he was in the Beatles. Um, towards the end, when they were recording the Get Back, Let It Be sessions, he had proposed the idea that they would just simply get back to their roots by traveling to pubs and, and, and colleges in the outskirts of various towns in England. The Beatles promptly shot down that idea, but it stayed with Paul. And in fact, when he formed his new band after the breakup of the Beatles, his band known as Wings, they, they did a similar thing. They got into a van, uh, traveled to various places and, and just showed up and, and played. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being uh, an audience member uh, at, at a surprise Paul McCartney show? Absolutely amazing. In the midst of this karaoke journey, one finds a sense of being a willing passenger in the joyride of Corden and McCartney. You can almost feel the happy electricity being in the car, joining in what Paul cites as the power of music. Music is our universal language that keeps us treading on common ground in our human experience. Regardless of political affiliation, aligned border, or professed belief, music transcends barriers and always serves as a loving bond in our humanity. A whimsical jaunt between a British comedian and pop music composer serves as a salve in the sharp and constant melee of 2018. This particular year has been marred with the top heaviness of 21st century tumult and tribulation. 
Headlines abound with negativity wrapped in global uncertainty, political shrapnel, and natural unrest. Check any social media channel for harsh personal tech that at any given time. Channels surf along any form of a news program and is bound to lead down a road of negative and uncivil discourse. Violence is our unfortunate constant companion, and negativity stands tall amidst the rubble. Although the years of 1968 and 2018 have different layers of historical marrow in which they resonate, there are parallels in the level of global unrest. The elements of the Apollo 8 moon mission and carpool karaoke serve as a cultural rest stop, a much needed rest stop in our human journey. These cultural rest stops serve as reminders for us in the chaos that our world is still a positive and joyful place. Taking pause to witness the earth rise in outer space or sharing in the divine connection that can be discovered in a Beatles song. They serve as unexpected gifts of the love inherent in our humanity in which we experience. Hopefully, these cultural moments will also serve as catalysts for other events which illuminate that there are always positive possibilities in our human experience. Tuning into the positive provides us insight into the better angels of our nature. Furthermore, by sharing and proclaiming these positives, we do find a connectedness that outpaces the plague of the negativity. Skimming along the pages of 1968 and 2018, we can discover other positive moments. Imagine the sunlight dancing on the faces of a group of boys in Thailand. They've been trapped in a cave for days without much solace. A diverse crew of grown-ups gathered their gifts of courage on a perilous journey of rescue as our world held their collective breath, wishing for their safety. In 1968, a young bass player is driving out to visit the soon-to-be ex-wife of his best friend. He wants to comfort their five-year-old son who may not be able to cope with the understanding of, div of divorce. The bass player is humming an impromptu song for the boy. Little does the bassist know that this song will evolve into a uni universal anthem of hope entitled, Hey Jude. Also unbeknownst to that bass player, Paul McCartney, in 1968, that this song written for his friend's son, the friend is John Lennon, would serve as a source of jubilation for the patrons at a local pub in Liverpool during an episode of Carpool Karaoke. A song that would serve as a joyful rest stop for 130 million people upon first view on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you, Paul and James. You saved 2018.
And that concludes the second episode of Principal Liner Notes. My name is Sean Gaylor. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the flip side.